0: When I first heard of the concept of appreciative inquiry, how you ask a question can frame the kind of response you're going to get. So when a child comes home from school and you say, how was your day? They can either take it and spiral upward. We had so much fun. We went on that field trip or they can spiral downward. Oh, this kid picked on me on the playground. But if we ask the question... What did you enjoy about your day? Or what was the highlight of your day? Or what did you appreciate? That can really change the trajectory of the conversation.
1: Has your life, your dreams been interrupted? Good news, it is possible to reinvent our lives. People are doing it every day, and some are brave enough to share the struggles, disappointments, and challenges. If you are looking for a new beginning, a do-over, or to rediscover your passion, maybe even find a new one, Grab a cup of coffee and let's talk. Interrupted Act Two Reinventing Your Legacy with your host, Coach Lori. Janet Frumbach is with us, and I met you through our mutual friend, Charnel. Her nonprofit, Creative Support, is a supporter of you and your husband. And so I was so glad to meet you, and I was so glad when you agreed to do this interview. Welcome. Thank you so much, Lori. Tell us where you're
0: zooming in from. I'm zooming in from a small little village in Burgundy, France. The name of the village is arcy sur which means Arcy on the river Cure. It's a village of about 400 people. How long have you lived there? We moved here September 1st, 2022. Why don't you tell us about your life there? We love it. There are a lot of adjustments, of course, anytime you live cross-culturally. This is not our first cross cultural living situation. We've actually lived on four continents North America, of course, also Africa, Asia, and Europe. We were in Europe in Budapest, uh, Hungary for five years from 2015 to 2020, repatriated for a couple years, and then came here last year and bought an old farmhouse that had been turned into a plumber's workshop, that had been turned into a B. And now we're making our mark on it. And we've spent most of the last eight months renovating. But it's been a joy to do. My husband and I really love creating places of hospitality. It's been a joy. And we've been so graciously received by everyone in the village. What brought you there? It was the opportunity to live abroad again. We'd been in Budapest for five years. Had repatriated during the pandemic. Sold our home in Budapest. We had thought that we would be there much longer. We were so sad to be leaving Europe. But we also knew that it was good for us to return to the United States. It was kind of timely for our family, our adult children. We were pretty close to them at that moment and able to really continue developing a healthy relationship with them. That was extremely valuable for that time. But at the same time, we had kind of a dissatisfaction in terms of what we did. Part of Our lives has been involved very much in ministry. We worked with a mission, a nonprofit in West Africa many years ago. Through the years, we've continued that. And basically, we kind of now are spiritual directors and coaches for people who live cross-culturally. Mostly, that's people in the mission sector. But of course, there's also diplomatic corps Military business people who are living outside of their passport country. And we help them with issues of transition, how to be a healthy family, how to live with that paradox of loss and gain, because there, of course, there's both of that when you live internationally. It's been a very satisfying and rewarding work. That was the part that didn't fit during those two years, 2020 and 2021, in the United States we felt away from where we had been doing all this ministry and weren't sure exactly how to make that work in Washington State, just north of Seattle. When this opportunity came up, was kind of a friend of a friend, just wrote. We hadn't seen them face-to-face probably in 20 years, but they've been tracking with us on Facebook. And they said, we know you just went back. You just remodeled this house. We think you're going to retire maybe or be with your kids, but we just can't get your names out of our heads. And we think this could be for you. We came here to our seat. The name of this place named by the former owners is called La Maison de Rafa, which means rafa house and i think they took it from the name because it's on the river cure this idea of that this was a place of healing they wanted this to be a house of hope and healing for people they had been operating this for 15 years and needed to step away our friends put us in touch with them and we came last march and decided to buy returned to the united states sold our home there in july came here in September began remodeling it is an actual bed and breakfast it's called a chambre d'hôte in french these are plentiful so it's different than airbnb it's it's a bed and breakfast so we have rooms in our home that are available for people. And we have four rooms, each with an ensuite bath and a sitting area. People can come and a lot of people are going to come maybe because they find us on Airbnb. Also, like through word of mouth, I think some of the workers, those global servants across the world, but mostly probably in Europe, who are serving outside their passport culture, probably a missionary or maybe a pastor could be a French speaking pastor in his family. They live on a kind of in a different economy, not always well paid. And so we have lower rates for them and they can come and just rest for three to seven to 10 days, whatever they wish. We can do some spiritual direction with them while they're here, or more likely just Walk through the village and have a good heart to heart talk. We just want to help them thrive in their work so that they can continue on with their work.
1: I love this idea of what you're doing. It's almost like a Hallmark movie, the act two, where you end up in a small European village and do the thing. You weren't always there, so there was a big pivot. This idea of reinventing ourselves, it's not the first time that we
0: have reinvented ourselves. So we were in West Africa. We thought we would be there for 30 or 40 years. I mean, our whole career. After about eight years, we had a sense that we should move back to the United States. And so we actually founded a nonprofit and it too was a hospitality ministry. We had home for college age children of missionaries, mostly missionaries. There were some others in that group of what we call third culture kids who are children whose parents are working And thus they are being raised outside of their passport culture. We had a home where we had eight to 10 college kids living with us for about nine years while we were doing that. We thought we were going to be living in West Africa, working among tribal people. And instead, we were working with college students 24-7. They were living in our home. Those were challenging years, but in a lot of ways, very growing, rich years. And we loved it. And then we made another pivot. We joined the agency that we're a part of right now, which is called Barnabas International. The name Barnabas comes from the New Testament person who was a great encourager. Bottom line is we want to encourage people and help them to thrive in their work and life and family and ministry and faith. We joined Barnabas and we were kind of itinerant just living in Seattle, but flying around the world for ministry for quite some time until we moved to Thailand. This particular change right here, I mentioned being back in the United States for two years after we were in Budapest. Just to pick up the timeline, we were in Thailand for a couple of years, then we moved to Budapest, we were there for five years, then back to the Seattle region for two years, and now we're here. Part of the meaningful situation in Seattle during those two years, as I mentioned, was reconnecting with family. My brother and sister in law are also there, our adult children mostly. Because we've lived so much apart, it was lovely to be that close. When they made a decision to follow their dreams and move to South America, the only continent we've never been to, except for Antarctica, (laughs) we helped them sell their home and make their move. And then once they left in early 2022, we looked at each other and we thought, hmm, Now that we have this knowledge about the pandemic and what's been going on and we're at this place, I wonder if we could move back to Europe. It was sadness because we had thought by moving back to the United States that we would be next to our kids for a long, long time. Many of my friends have said, never chase your kids around the world because you might just chase them around the world. And indeed, I do suspect that we will go visit them someday in South America. But I think it was that that opened the door for us, for this move. We never would have sold our home in Budapest to move elsewhere in Europe, but because of that little two-year time frame, and it was uncomfortable. It was, I mean, there were things about it that we loved. We have a rich friendship network. Our church is there, but it was good, but it also had this big question mark about our future and the type of ministry that we do. we moved into a 1,200-square-foot ranch house, and remodeled it. And it was darling, but it really wasn't good for the kind of hospitality that we long to do, that we've done a little bit in Budapest and that now we can do with abundance in these beautiful, large rooms in this home. It is kind of a reinvention, but it's also kind of the next step on the pathway for us. And that feels very natural. We're very glad to be here. We had studied French before we went to West Africa.
1: I kind of love it that you've had to reinvent yourself several times because for some people, they've never had to do that. Talk to us about some of the challenges, maybe some barriers. I'm going to
0: use us a lot because my husband and I have been married for 45 years last
1: congratulations,
0: uh, Thank you. We don't take that for granted. We began our life. You think you have your own course mapped out. We are Christians. We do believe that we have agency but also that God works with us in that agency and gives us the desires of our heart or sometimes changes the desires of our heart. We have had many circumstances that have been challenging along the way. I will go back to our first international move after really being back in the United States for probably 17 years, because after Africa, we were Nine years at the nonprofit, and then several years living in Seattle and visiting places around the world, but not living there. And when we moved to Chiang Mai, Thailand, we actually had estrangement from a dear family member. That was really a challenging thing. It was very unexpected. During that time, we focused on a few things that really saved us, recognizing that in every day, there's both joy and sorrow. We often would hold our hands up next to each other, cupped in front of us, and then separate them and say, yes, there was sorrow, but yes, there's joy. We were house-sitting in Thailand. It's beautiful, exotic. We had purpose in being there. We had a beautiful home there from which we showed hospitality also. But we also had this heartache that we carried all the time now because of estrangement. We began a practice. The word is anamnesis. So the word amnesia kind of comes from that same root, which is forgetfulness. But anamnesis is the act of remembering. You know, we can begin the day in hope, but we can't always end it in hope. We decided that at the close of every day, we would take a card and I would write on one side, he would turn it over and without looking, he would write on the other side. Then we would read it together and pray to close our day just to remind ourselves of the beauty of the day and where we saw God at work in our lives, where we felt connected with each other and other people around us, where we'd seen grace and beauty. And that didn't completely negate the heartache. Of course, that was there but it helped us to hold it in a different sort of way and to recognize i can focus on the worst thing that happened today it actually had to do with the french government and trying to get all the papers in line and it wasn't their fault but through miscommunication these are some of the challenges so we were at an office and we didn't have the papers we need and we have to order them from the united states but at the same time there was great beauty in the day we drove through the countryside home here in beautiful sunshine we had a wonderful hailstorm this afternoon quite unexpected. (laughs) How do we frame our days? And we find that as we close our days, if we can focus on the good, the right, the true, the beautiful, there's something about that that really lifts our eyes, it lifts our chins, it lifts our spirits. But maybe especially for someone like me, who has lived a lot internationally, because there's inherent loss in that. It's maybe not formal estrangement, but it's distance from loved family members. I've spent most of my life missing people from elsewhere in the world. Because if I'm here, I miss them there. And if I'm there, I miss people here. So that's one challenge, but also kind of how we have dealt with it and how we have tried to focus on what we can find in every day that's gracious and good and peaceful and hopeful.
1: I love that you're so intentional about it because mind work is so important. You're right. When I first heard of kind of of the
0: concept of appreciative inquiry, which is this concept that how you inquire, how you ask a question can frame the kind of response you're going to get. So when a child comes home from school and you say, how was your day? They can either take it and spiral upward. We had so much fun. We went on that field trip or they can spiral downward. Oh, this kid picked on me on the playground. But if we ask the question what did you enjoy about your day or what was the highlight of your day or what did you appreciate? That can really change the trajectory of the conversation. And you still want to get to and acknowledge the hard parts, but it helps your child to lift their countenance rather than just have this neutral question that can be, kind of drag them down immediately. <laughs> In a lot of respects, when I first heard about that, I thought, oh, that's just happy thinking that doesn't work but we began to practice it. And you know, it actually works. Continued this now, our anamnesis practice for nine and a half years, we still do it. We also realize that it is helping us to remember things that we would otherwise forget. So at the close of every month, we go back and we read all of the cards for the month and we kind of wrap a bow around them and put them away. And at the end of every year, we read all the cards from the year. And you're so amazed to read things that you just would forget. It's, I guess, somewhat like a journal, but because it's limited, it's it's pretty small little card about the size of a three by five, and we have fine pens, and sometimes I'm squeezing everything on, and sometimes if I'm discouraged, I have just one word, grace, or the rainbow out the window, but it's really been a life-giving practice for us. But often it's quotes from books that we've been reading, or sometimes it's a sweet thing that we've said to each other, or maybe our kids said to us. That's always music to our ears. I think another practice that has really helped us is waiting with an open hand. That's the only way I can think to say it. I have come to life with expectation and that's kind of the closed fist. Okay, I'm pretty sure that this is the way that I want it. Here, you can pry my fingers and you can look at what's inside (laughs) my, my hand here, but this is really what I want.
1: Have you heard, if not now, when? If not you, then who? Are you being prompted to write a book, to create a podcast? Check out Leaving a Legacy at That's coach www.coachlaurie.com. And let's get started on your second act now. I have come to life with expectation,
0: and that's kind of the closed fist, like, okay, I'm pretty sure that this is the way that I want it here, you can pry my fingers and you can look at what's inside my my hand here, but this is really what I want. Whereas kind of this open handedness is kind of this hopeful expectancy. In my case, I believe that God will work, even though I don't see him maybe at work today. We can sometimes look at a problem and be very focused on the problem. And for me, I've found that I need to have this hopeful expectancy as I wait, really be open to not me dictating what it's going to look like. I could never have dictated that I would move to France and own a and b I could not have projected that. And yet it's a beautiful life and I love it and I'm grateful for it. That's been one thing that's been very helpful to us. And then also in that waiting can become a season of spiritual transformation. As I'm waiting on the Lord, my husband and I find in the disappointments Again, if we focus on the disappointments and focus because our expectations were dashed, those expectations that we didn't know that we had until they weren't met, that we are spiritually transformed as we release those and say, okay, so let's see how it's going to be. And yes, I have agency and I can make some choices in this process, but much of it is opportunity that comes to us. And in our case, it was through friends. And we believe it was a gift from God that they contacted us about this place.
1: I'm a big proponent of language. And what I wonder, I love what you said, is that we come to the table with open hands. And what kind of words is that when you're thinking about maybe you're meditating or even praying What are the words that go with that? Oh, boy. Something that immediately
0: comes to mind, and I don't know if it exactly gets at it, but since I mentioned the estrangement that we had, during that time, it was sudden, it was unexpected, it was heartbreaking, and it was part of our everyday. Many of our conversations, just as we were going through our day, led to this estrangement. We were led to pray. There was sadness and anger, for sure, hurt. We knew that we wanted to pray. And so we started with this kind of, Lord, change them, change their hearts toward us. And very quickly, it moved to, Lord, make us ready for them when they are ready for us. And that was part of that open handedness. It wasn't dictating. It wasn't like striving for Lord change their hearts and every day asking that and being upset that it hadn't happened today. And we didn't know how long it would be. In the end, it was about 21 months which is a long time, especially when you don't know that it's going to be 21 months. I suppose even if you did, that would be a long time. Day by day by day goes by and you can lose hope. But that was part of that open handedness for us is like, Lord, change us, make us ready for them when they are ready for us. We knew that we could kind of give our lives confidently every day to him, practice anamnesis, look for the best in every day. And all of that worked together. And ultimately, when we were reengaged and had healing in that relationship, we shared part of this story. And they said, we can see that you have changed. And we can see that God answered that prayer. That in the end was beautiful. And so I think that's a little bit about this open-handedness. The difference in wording between those two prayers was really the key to the difference between coming with expectation and a hope that is very strong and striving and more open-handed accepting. I think you use that word accepting.
1: At one point you said, it's easy to lose the hope. Our words can change our brain. They can change the pattern of what we're doing. Often we don't even know we have the negative thoughts. I often use people say, well, I'm going to get out of debt. And they think that's positive. And I'm like, that's actually negative because you're focusing on loss. What if you say... I love paying my bills. Language is so important. So thank you so much for sharing that.
0: The language we use with ourselves is so powerful. So part of our decision to move internationally has been definitely prompted by kind of a feeling at home internationally. And that was really from my childhood. I did spend two summers in Europe as a kid when I was 10 and when I was 12 kind of all over Europe, camping with my family. And then when I was 12, I lived with extended family in Sweden. And so this kind of gave me that sense of being a global citizen, that I could be happy anywhere in the world. And then clearly our experience around the world in many countries, seven countries, I think, and counting, has been beautiful and lovely and also has held loss. I think there's a difference from moving forward with hope and purpose and running from pain. And I think if we had made our decision earlier, we would have been running from pain, from the pain of having to, had to leave Budapest, had to come home, everything at home wasn't quite right, and now our kids are leaving. That could have been the story we told ourselves, and we could have run from that pain. And instead, I think we did the good work, the good hard work of appreciating our days, appreciating all of the change, including all of the surprises of that year. And I think we had 15 months at home with the the kids before they left. And then moving forward with hope and with purpose. I think especially for people moving internationally, I have certainly found it true that it's good for me to do the work of departure and closure so that I can open the next chapter appropriately. And really for anyone reinventing themselves for any
1: reason, that's probably a good practice. I love that wisdom of just, are you running from, or are you moving into? If we just ask ourselves the question, and then you said, do the hard work. And I always say it's hard, but it's heart. It's the hard heart work that puts us where we're exactly meant to be in the moment. Totally. I couldn't agree with you more. I would say the other thing about
0: reinventing yourself has to do with identity. Oh my goodness. I have identified as maybe early on, I was a teacher and then I did work as a an office assistant to, to somebody in an executive capacity. And then I became a missionary essentially in West Africa. And then I became a house mom for all of these students, each one required me to go back to kind of this question of who am I? I'm the same person. And that's where I I talked about the stepping stones. There's much about this that seems, yes, amazing and surprising. And then there's other things that are kind of like, no, this is just the next stepping stone. And it's a very logical progression because I can see through all of these little stones in my life, my identity has been shaped really by a faith relationship, trusting in, in God, my Christian faith, in that, that's my, my primary identity. If there's a different job that I do, or a different way of expressing some of the gifts that he's given me, that's just kind of the overflow of who I am. So in spite of this idea of reinventing, and indeed it is, we've even used that word a couple of times throughout our, our years, rock bottom, you have to decide, who am I? how am I, whether it's a faith tradition that that someone has, or it's helpful to have a focus that is not circumstantial, but is deeper than that. And that has been so, so helpful in the many steps, stepping stones of my life around the world.
1: And like you have shown us, often when the rug gets pulled out, it feels like the end of the world. And yet often, Often, I'm hearing this in every interview, it becomes that opportunity they didn't see coming. And had it not been for that, they wouldn't be in the glorious place they are today.
0: And that is so, so true. A wise person many years ago told me all of the major decisions in my life have been made by people in authority over me. But I have often come back to that and realized, yes, sometimes the circumstances, they're not my preferred circumstances. Thank you very much. But with patience and with waiting, with this hopeful expectancy and with gratitude, there's going to be a new chapter that's going to be every bit as beautiful as the
1: last chapters have been. And you can do it. Yes.
0: There's no question that there's kind of an adaptive nature that we've developed. And we've lived with a lot of chaos these last eight months as we remodeled this house. Adaptability has been helpful. But yes, you kind of do strengthen the muscles. Even through these months, we actually sat down, David and I, today and did kind of the final walk through. These are the things that we really need to do before we open in earnest. We've had guests. We're going to have guests this week, but we keep on delaying kind of a full open because there's still little things that we need to do. And we've lost momentum. We took a break for my husband's mother's 90th birthday. She came here for her celebration. And then our children came to surprise her from South America. It was lovely just such a beautiful time. But we've lost momentum. But now I'm drawing from that strength. We did it before. (laughs) We can do this again. Let's get our hard hat on and and get to the work and finish this thing.
1: What do you really want
0: people to know? I want people to know that there's opportunity in every disappointment. There's a deep sense of purpose is likely embedded in them, and if they move forward following that heart of purpose. Arthur Brooks, who says in his book, From Strength to Strength, that happiness is enjoyment, satisfaction, and purpose. So I can look back and I can see that we have had enjoyment and satisfaction during that little hiccup of the pandemic in the Seattle area but our purpose was not as well defined there and we struggled with that that makes me think of Brene Brown and she has such fabulous language to move wholeheartedly toward that purpose that they know that is deeply embedded within them but with this kind of open-handed okay what's next and with excitement and eyes wide open, yes they can do it look for language that helps you along the way. Good practices that will aid you in your step-by-step.
1: The word that came to mind when you were saying this was wonder. Absolutely. And there's a lot of question marks in the future. We're
0: 66. My husband will be 67 in the fall. We still have health. We can still do stairs because we have a lot of stairs in this house. (laughs) Some of our friends thought maybe we would retire kind of knew there was another chapter for us. And this really seems to fit. And we're so grateful for this opportunity here.
1: So I always end with, what are you reading?
0: Arthur Brooks, it's called From Strength to Strength. And that's from a passage in Psalm 84 about pilgrimage, basically. And all of life is a pilgrimage. And so here we go. And how do we go in our older years, really, from strength to strength. He teaches at Harvard. He's talking about the older years. I had great comfort. Somebody said, oh, you're still in the, the young older years, not even the <laughs> mid older years yet, let alone the old, older years. <laughs> but at this age, I do want to pay attention to that. And I do want to learn how to age faithfully. That's another book by Alice Fryling. I actually just came off vacation and read the first John Grisham novel for the first time in probably a decade. Oh my goodness, which one was it? It was The Broker. David's mom came and she had brought the book with her, finished it, and she left it here. And so then we took off for some days of rest after she was here. And he took it along and he finished it and I finished it. That's the first really pleasure reading I've done in oh so long.
1: Pleasure reading is important. It
0: certainly (laughs) is.
1: How can people find you? Rafa House is spelled R A
0: P H A, Rafa House. And we do have a Facebook page, likewise, the same on Instagram. I think it's the same spelling. La Maison de Rafa is the spelling in French is different. And so it's R A F A H. And there will be a La Maison de Rafa website. And we're very much in the process of trying to scramble to get that ready. And then, of course, myself, I'm on Facebook as Janet Kronbach. I'd welcome anybody who wants to talk about reinventing themselves or spiritual direction or coaching in their transition, particularly if it's an international transition. I love it. Thank
1: you so much for your wisdom. I am really excited about Anamnesis.
0: That's correct. A-N-A-M-N-E-S-I-S. Anamnesis. It was wonderful,
1: Lori. Thanks so much. Coach Lori here. I am not anti-aging. three things we learned from Janet. Anamnesis, appreciative inquiry, and sometimes change them turns into change us. If you love this podcast, here's a big ask. Will you share with your friends and family? Subscribe, give us a review and a five-star rating so that others looking to reinvent their lives will be able to get the help they're looking for. Thank you in advance.